Greetings and welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. This podcast is all about providing clarity, insight, and encouragement for life and mission. And my name is Aaron Sinemeyer, and I'm going to be your host. Today, we have the phenomenal opportunity to have our friend Dick Foth back with us on the podcast for a, a session of Back Channel with Foth. And then we interview um, Pastor Gibson from ICC um, here in Nairobi, where we have a phenomenal discussion about being young, a young leader in Africa today. Um, Pastor Gibson leads a growing, a healthy, thriving church in the city of Nairobi, and just a phenomenal conversation with Pastor Gibson. Dick, so excited to have you back with us today. Thank you. My, you know, every time when I get on this call with you, people say, so what are you doing? I say, well, I'm, I'm on a very important call to Africa, and they actually start thinking I'm somebody. I love this. <laughs> oh, man. Well, we appreciate it very, very much. Dick, got two questions for you today. The first one is, um, you have mentioned that you had to raise funds when you were at Bethany. Um, missionaries also need to raise funds. What do you, have you found works and what does not work when raising funds? You know, the first time I ever had to raise funds was when we did a church plant near the University of Illinois way back late 60s through the 70s. And uh, I think the key to raising funds is understanding that you are working with individuals and it's not just about their money. Hmm. And that, you know, it's, it's, it's one thing to play the percentages and send out 10,000 mailers and hope to get a 1.5% return. That's one way of raising funds, but right. most... Most missionaries can't do that. They don't have that base and so forth. But, but what, the, what the missionary does have is a story. Hmm. And, and they need the person who is giving, participating, partnering, whatever you want to call it, wants to see faces. They want to um, hear what you're up to. But they also, if, they're, if there's something like... Like if you do a newsletter, and I know newsletters are challenging for missionaries. I know this. But if you do that, sometimes putting a segment in about something I've learned, hmm. something about life or God hmm. or family, and you put that in there, yeah, that, that helps them. So, yeah. so I think essentially what I have said, I'm saying is that understand that what you're doing is not just raising a dollar. Hmm. What you're doing is inviting someone into your life. And by giving, they're inviting you into theirs. Wow. That's a good word. That is a good word. The second uh, question is kind of on, on the same line. Um, how have you valued people um, in their giving? You need to understand about yourself and about them that our money, their money, is their life the second time around. Hmm. They went out, worked, entrepreneurs, taught school, whatever they did, for, for money, and yeah. now they're going to turn around and they get a choice. They can hoard it, they can invest it, they can save it, or they can share it. Wow. And so how we approach that, whether it's a $5 gift or a $5,000 gift, is that that's somebody's life you're working with. I never forget we had someone give a million dollars to build a building at Bethany and a granddaughter, an adult granddaughter came and spoke to the chapel when we dedicated it. And she said to the students, you need to understand one thing about this building. And that is 
when you walk into the building, it's not just a building with windows and bricks and stone and cool looking and all that. What you're walking into is my grandparents' life. Wow. So that's one thing. Yeah. Second thing is people wish to be valued for their ideas as well as their dollars. Hmm. And tell you how many people, people of quite significant means, who say, you know, something to this effect. I'll give him $10,000 for the project because I think the project's worthwhile, but I won't give him really big money by their standards. Right. I won't give them big money because they don't, we never talk about what ideas or thoughts I might have about that. Hmm. So if in fact you choose to reach out and befriend somebody to, uh, and this comes back to learning from them. Yeah. It, if, if you let some of those folks be your teacher, not as a ploy, yeah. as a real authentic teacher, and you get one of their ideas could be worth a hundred times more than what they would give you in a check. Yeah, it's true. It's so, true. True. Dick, I appreciate you challenge us to be learners in every aspect. Uh, you challenge us to ask questions and be learners. And um, it's, it's, it's phenomenal. Well, we're going to go ahead and jump into our interview with Pastor Gibson and uh, learning about being a young leader today in Africa and uh, just enjoyed spending time with Pastor Gibson and a phenomenal time um, learning, learning from him. Well, there's no time better than now to get started. So here we go. Well, greetings and welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. So excited to be here today with a new friend, Pastor Gibson. Pastor Gibson, um, just so excited to have you with us. Yeah, it's really a joy to be able to connect with you. And it's taken us some time to, you know, get this uh, going, but I'm glad that finally we get to. It's a For joy sure. to be on this podcast with you. For sure. When the, the age of COVID, things don't seem to nearly go the way we thought they were going to go. So especially not a busy pastor like you. Pastor Gibson, would you just go ahead and, and take a few minutes just to share about yourself? And um, yeah, before we jump into the questions. Yeah, my name is uh, Gibson Anduvate. I'm married to Liz Anduvate. We are blessed with three wonderful children, uh, Lori, Gideon, and uh, Leanne. And uh, in this season of my life, I have the joy and pleasure of serving at ICC uh, together with my wife, a senior pastor. And uh, it's something that we are, you know, so grateful for. I'm passionate about developing the next generation and uh, coming alongside leaders just to equip them and to support them as they, you know, fulfill the purpose of God in their lives. I think that's a bit about who I am. Yeah. And so how did you come to know Jesus, Pastor Gibson? I normally say um, those guys who, when you were in school, every, every time there was somebody visiting, you know, a preacher, yeah. And they would make an altar call. I would go forward and, and accept Jesus. Yeah. But I think as a first-year student at the University of Nairobi, I made a commitment, you know, to follow Jesus. And uh, when I look back, I think that from that time onwards, I have stayed true to that call and really just walked a journey with the Lord of him revealing himself to me and just, uh, you know, having encounters with him that have led me on this journey that, uh, that I'm on. Awesome. So I think that's a bit of, of my journey. Awesome. Well, Pastor Gibson, um, I'm looking forward to our conversation today um, about your book and um, just some insight you have on leading young. Um, your book is a challenge for young leaders. Um, what, what is a lesson that you've learned as a young leader, uh, maybe the hard way? Uh, 
<laughs> ah, there are many lessons that I've learned as a, as a young leader. I, I think that uh, when you're young, you're, you're full of passion, you know? I think you're, you're, you're full of passion. You want everything to be done fast. But then as you grow older, you realize that things take time, you know? Things don't happen as fast as you want and, and that it takes, it takes time. And I think over the years, the journey has been more to be patient and uh, especially to be patient with my leaders. Because when you're serving under other leaders, as a young leader, you can tend to you know, be anxious and to want to go ahead. But just being able to, to be patient and to support the vision that, uh, that God has given them and to be able to stay faithful, you know, even when you don't feel like. I find, like, uh, I find that leadership is a journey that we are making an investment and we are always sowing seeds. And it's a lot of the seeds that we sow as young leaders that we end up reaping in our older, in our older years. Yeah, for sure. And how being patient as a young leader, that, you know, normally patience, at least when I'm not as young as I used to be, wasn't one of the virtues that I think that if I had to list like my top five virtues, patience was not one of them. Um, what do you, how does that in supporting the leader's vision, how, is there some practical steps or some things that you think about, or do you, do you pray about it? Or how do you walk out and be patient um, with those that, that are, that you're serving or, or you're following? I think it has to begin from a posture of humility, hmm. a posture of humility that says, I don't have the full picture. Hmm. I only have a part that there is a specific role that God has called me to play in this season. And I may not always understand the bigger picture. Hmm. So my place is to stay faithful in, in the place that I am. And I would say, when God calls you to serve under someone else, it's easy to feel as if you know you could do a better job in that role. We always feel like we can do a better job in that role. But if you, if you actually could do a better job in that role, God would have lifted you up wow. into that position. That's a good word. So there's actually a reason why God has placed you under that person's uh, authority. And so it's, it's having a posture of humility that I don't have the, 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 the full picture, that as I come alongside, my posture is one where I want to serve. Hmm. And to have the vision that God has has, uh, has placed over me, and I want to come and submit. Hmm. And, and I always say that yes, we can express our differences privately, hmm. but we always support publicly. Hmm. And I think that uh, when you talk about being patient as a young leader, it has to come really out of a place of 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 an intentional choice. Hmm. You know, an an intentional choice to stay when it seems so easy to you know to leave. Yeah. The intentional choice to serve and submit yeah. when it seems so easy not to. Yeah. The intentional choice to support someone else's vision when it seems very tempting to run your own, you know, run your own boat and have your yeah. own your own vision. Yeah. So I think that's a bit of what I would say. But there's also just a place of your own work with the Lord. Hmm. I think your own work with the Lord, you know, comes into play because when you're working with the Lord, and as the Lord deals with your heart, you realize that the circumstances that you navigate through it's not so much so about what's happening on the outside, but most of the times it's really a work that God is doing on the, on the inside. And that's what I found, that uh, in moments when I feel like, you know, I, I need to move faster, it's about God working on my heart, that it is even about that person or the season or the situation that I find myself in. Wow, wow. Valuable wisdom and insight. Um, really appreciate it. 
You you mentioned also that uh, along the lines of posi- for position of power, um, but taking a path of service. Um, and you you share that the path of service has a lot less people on it than those that are seeking positions of power. Um, how can young leaders um, harness the power of service and not be um, so tempted by the uh, positions of power? I think for me, I say, number one, as a young leader, you have to be aware, or even just as any leader, you know, you have to be aware that you are on God's timing. Hmm. And, and, and that God works through different seasons. And I think that it's very important that I understand what season am I in right, right now? I think so many times it's easy for us to want the platform hmm. and, uh, and, and the exposure, you know, and, and the influence that comes with, the, with, with position. But when we, we are in a rush to get there, I think we miss out on the journey. For hmm. me, I always say God works through process. And process is really more about me than it is about, you know, anyone else. It's about God just preparing me and, and enabling me to be able to have the inner capacity and strength, the inner character, to be able to sustain when, when, the, when, the, when the position opens, uh, opens up. So a lot of times we, we desire the power, the responsibility. You know, we see the packs that come with, the, with position and, and we desire to be in that place. But there's a weight of responsibility. I always think about the children of Israel. You know, they're walking through the wilderness. And God says to them, I will give you the land little by little. Hmm. He says, because if you face war, hmm. then you are actually going to turn back. Yeah. But he says, I'll give you the land little by little so that you can move into it, you can occupy it. As you grow, then I will enlarge the land that, you give, that, that, that I give. And I find that God works that same principle on our leadership journey, that God grows us little by, by little. Yeah, and uh, that's why I think it goes back to what we were talking about before, just to have the patience to to stay in God's time and to stay in the season that God has me in, and not to want to be in a hurry, you know, to step into a different into a different uh, into a different season. You know, one of my mentors shared a lesson with me many years ago, and he said, "Walk through the doors that God opens for you. Hmm. Don't ever push doors open, yeah. you know, for yourself." And and it's words that I've gone back to so many times over my, my journey, that is this a door that God is opening or is it me who is pushing the, the door, you know, open for myself? That's a good word. You know, I, I shared with you this in the past. Um, we met at, at the church, but I came to one of the services at ICC and you shared a, a, a thought that has run through my mind probably, 15, I don't know, I want to say a thousand times, let's say 200 times. And the quote, the quote was, we the tendency is to undervalue what God has placed in our hands and overvalue the things that he has not. And um, I've, I've thanked you for that in the past, but this is along the lines of what you're sharing today is, is, you know, to value what God has placed in front of us and not try to push doors, open doors that, that he's not open for us. And so is that a journey that you've just been able to gain that wisdom over time or how, how have you gained that wisdom? Cause that honestly is, is depth of wisdom. I think that I, at a very early age, I had, uh, you know, leaders, mentors uh, around me. Mm. And God opened the door in such a way that from a very early age, I, I always had the, uh, the opportunity to be in the room. Mm. I always say, that as young leaders, we don't always get the opportunity to be in the room and to see the back end of yeah. the decisions being made 
and the conversations being had. And so through that process of God allowing me to be in the room, even until today when I'm in the room with the senior leaders, even my, my, a lot of my you know, other senior pastors, I am most of the times the youngest person in the room. Hmm. And so because of that, I guess I, I got to have an insight into a space that most of my peers would not, would not, uh, would, would not have. Hmm. And I think being able to see the other side of the conversations and then to see how God works, you know, that so many times as human beings, we have our own time frame of how things should be and what we expect, you know, God to do. But then behind the scenes, God is always orchestrating his purposes and working out his plans, you know, hmm. so meticulously. And I think that over time, I have developed such a firm belief and faith in God, hmm. in his timing, in his, in, his, uh, in his leading, in his provision. I know that what you need for this season, God will put in your hands. Wow. And, and if you can just, you know, be in that place of, of gratitude, in that place where you, you, you don't demean what he has given you, where he has placed you, then you realize that that season then prepares you for whatever yeah. it is that God has uh, ahead of you. So I guess it's that opportunity that God gave me to sit in the room with the, you know, people that are way older. Most of the times I'm in the room with people that are my dad, you know, my, yeah. my dad's, they're my fathers in, yeah. in many ways. But God has given me an opportunity to be able to, you know, just have that seat and to be part of that process. Yeah. You know, when I, our first uh, term living overseas, we lived in France for a little bit, they lived in Burkina Faso, and the president of that time um, of the country, uh, of the government, of the, the national government of Burkina Faso, Blaise Campore, he, he ran under a phrase, a title, um, his slogan was, the fox's belly is full, why would you want to get a new fox? And um, that kind of leads into my next uh, question that sometimes leaders are more desirous of the things that come with leadership, the benefits, than they are mm -hmm. actually of serving the people. And, and for me in Burkina, to hear a president of the country say, my, I've, I have all I need. Why would you want to get a new person that's going to come in and take everything? <laughs> it was, you know, just shocking to me. But why do you think it is a, a temptation for when we look for young leaders just to want the convenience of the power and the benefits of the power and lose sight of actually what the benefit of serving people can be and impacting people's lives, their wellness, their, their health and those type things? Um, yeah. What what have you learned about that? I think when we lead, it's very easy for us to have an entitlement mindset. Hmm. Uh, we look at the contribution that we are bringing to the organization, the contribution that we are making where we are, and it's very easy for us to begin to desire to have more. Hmm. And most of the time, we look at those that are over us, and we look at the privileges they have, you know, the, the perks, and it's so easy for our eyes to be focused more on the benefits that come with the responsibility. Hmm. But what I have found is that as you grow in leadership, yes, there are benefits that come along the way, but the responsibility is always so much more. Hmm. And if our mindset is, is, is focused more on just getting the benefits and the perks, then when we get into that place of leadership, we are underprepared to carry the weight that comes yeah. with the responsibility. That's good. So I have to have a poster that says, what is God leading me through this season that's preparing me for what is, for what is ahead? You know, I normally joke that when I was... Uh, you know, coming on to ministry and in my initial years, one of the things I really wanted was just to travel, you know, yeah. to travel, to see the world, to attend, uh, you know, leadership uh, summits, conferences, connect, network, you know? Yeah. And I really was looking forward to that opportunity. 
And now I have an opportunity where I can travel, you know, quite a bit. But the interesting thing about this season is that most of the times I don't want to go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Home with my kids, with my wife, you know. Yeah. So yes, I have the opportunity now, but because of my scheduling, yeah. if I have a, an open day, if I have a, a free day, I want to spend that day with my wife, I want to spend it with my kid. Yeah. So the thing that in my younger years I really looked forward to is not so appealing to me <laughs> in, the, in, this, in this season, you know. Yeah. So, and it's the same thing, you know, I can go over just different examples that that thing that you think you really want when you get into that space, you discover the weight is so much more. Yeah. The responsibility is so much more. You actually don't see it as a benefit anymore. <laughs> it's more <laughs> you know, even when you think about financially, because a lot of times for younger leaders, we feel like when we have a higher position, then there's a, a higher financial benefit. But I always say that if you compare the amount of people that come to you that need help and support, you, you will never really actually have 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 enough, you know. Yeah. So yeah. It, it it's a lens through which we have to be careful how, what we see on the other side and what inspires and motivates us. And my prayer for you know leaders that are listening to this podcast is that would not be motivated by the benefits, the packs that come with position, but that our motivation would be that we really want to serve wow. and to be a blessing to those that God has set around us. And I believe that when our motivation is right, God will always elevate. God will always elevate. You know. And, and, and use us in different, uh, in different platforms. Awesome. Awesome. Pastor Gibson, one of the, the other things I really appreciated, it was a strong challenge in your book. Um, you challenged us to make sure that women, when they work, uh, work with us and we, we serve them, they feel safe um, in the working environment. And that, our, and that at the same time, that our wives should not have to worry about the faithfulness of their husband. Um, why, what are some reasons that this is such a valuable and important um, thing for young leaders to understand? One, that is we serve and work alongside um, women that they feel safe in our, in our presence. And two, that our wives, uh, for male leaders, um, that our wives are not uh, concerned about our faithfulness when we're not, we're not at home. When, when I look at, uh, just my journey with young leaders. Leaders struggle with three areas, I would say. There's a struggle in our, in our, in our finances, mm-hmm. in how we handle our finances. There's a struggle in our, in our sexuality, mm-hmm. in how we live the opposite sex. There's a struggle in just the pride of life and the pride of being and wanting to, you know, derive identity from what you do. And I find that this one area of how we relate with the opposite sex if we are not careful about that area, and if there are cracks in how we relate to the opposite sex, it ends up bleeding into these other two. Hmm. You know, it affects our finances. It pushes us to want to so much draw identity out of what we do instead of drawing our identity from our work with the Lord. Hmm. And that's why for me, just the margins that we put around us in how we relate with the women that God has put around us, that we relate with them from a place of honor, in, from a place where they see themselves as being safe, uh, around us. And I, I find that as God elevates, as God gives us greater responsibility and greater positions, it's easy for people that are around us to look up to us. Hmm. It's easy for women that are around us to look up, to look up, uh, to look up to us. And if we are not careful about the kind of margins that we are put around us, about the kind of relationships 
it's very easy for there to be an attachment, which can be a very innocent attachment, that then becomes an emotional attachment. Hmm. And that is dangerous because if things are not working out well at home, it's very easy then for you to begin to find a lot of uh, affirmation from this particular person that you are having this emotional attachment with. And from that moment onwards, what I find is that it's, it's a downhill conversation. I don't think people ever, you know, dream to find themselves in a compromising situation, but it's the compromises and the steps that they take over time, the little decisions they make that go outside of their margins that end up leading them to a place where, you know, you really don't want to be as a married man or as a single as a, as a single as a single man. I think it applies both ways, that we then have margins of relationship that protect us and our families, but also protect the people that are closest, that are closest to us. Yeah. I know Africa is a large place, so I, I, well, we can't speak for all of Africa. But what, and we have listeners that listen in from all around the world. But as a pastor of a very influential church um, in Nairobi, Kenya, what are some of the margins that you put in place for the, for the context that you live and serve in? What are some of those margins you put into place um, to help the women um, feel, feel safe and then also for your wife to feel uh, that she has no concerns about your faithfulness or the value at home? I think for me, it begins when it's even about my staff. My wife is part of the conversations, even when we are hiring staff. Okay. So people that work very closely with me, my wife has a say about who we hire that works in close uh, proximity with me. I, you know, always have the conversation with the, especially the ladies yeah. that work around me, that I want to honor. And uh, if ever there's any time where they are uncomfortable or they feel that our relationship has gone beyond a certain point, that I want to be able to know, I want them to feel free to, to say that to me. But I also, I avoid situations that will be compromising. Hmm. So I do meetings in my office. I have a clear, uh, a clear door uh, when, you, when you pass through my office because I want whoever is outside to be able to see what's yeah. happening on me. <laughs> <laughs> I think, you know, level of, uh, of, of transparency. Yeah. So there's some intentional things that we have done. We will meet more as couples with the, you know, people that are on our, on our staff team and they can come home as couples. We can meet with them, with my wife as, a, as couples. If there's a situation with one of our lady, you know, members of staff that needs to follow up, then my wife is also a part of that, a part of that, uh, a part of that conversation. So that there isn't a conversation that's going on that can be very personal or maybe get into a place where it's an intimate conversation and she is not a part of that. And she's not a part of that, uh, a part of that conversation. So we talk through uh, different decisions, different things we are doing, and she's a part of the process. She's a part of the picture of what happens within my, my circle that I'm interacting with on a day-to-day -day, day -day basis. Yeah. And, you know, the, this day and age with younger leaders, so much, so much of life has lived on social media, um, whether that's Instagram or Facebook or WhatsApp or whatever. Uh, are there certain things that you and I would imagine being a pastor of a very prominent church that there's people that want to be your friend? And how do you navigate the social media, that aspect of, of faithfulness and, um, and transparency? I think that one has to be intentional because you have people that reach out and I want to believe that they have genuine needs, but you have to put a, a, a circle around you that helps you to be able to filter. Hmm. And uh, my circle around me is that when people reach out and they have a need, 
we have a team that helps me to then be able to, to follow up and, and to then filter. And so a lot, when, you, when I work through that team, I'm actually like more the last person on the line that finally gets to reach out and connect with this, with this, uh, with this person. So that helps me. So when people text me, it's an individual need or I'd like to connect with you, then I have a system around me that I plug them into that helps me to be able to filter the, the need. And then after that, I'm able, if I need to follow up, but the team is also empowered and equipped yeah. to be able to, to be able to, to be able to follow up. So that's something that I do on my end that, that helps me yeah. and uh, serves me well. I think another thing is when we travel, you know, because sometimes it's very easy for you as a, as a senior leader to travel with, uh, you know, your staff. But I try to travel as much as I can with my wife hmm. with me. Hmm. And that uh, on that it's something that, uh, you know, has helped me, you know, to a very great uh, extent. And yeah. so now we try to plan our travel together. We try to make sure that we are planning with each other's schedule, that we are able to be together when we are away. That's a great word. Great wisdom. One of the other things you talk about in the book that was humbling um, is you say that we're all replaceable. <laughs> That's a powerful uh, short statement. It's humbling and it's true. Um, how does that how does that statement impact uh, your leadership and how how should younger leaders as they interpret that? Yeah. How should how should they keep that in mind? I think I don't and it's sobering, but it's the truth. <laughs> It's that we are here for a season. Yeah. You are, you are where you are for a season. And uh, no matter how much you love what you do, it's, it's for a season. A time comes either to transition or we go to be with the Lord. You know, either yeah. way we transition yeah. out, of that, uh, out of that role. And I think that one of the things that uh, my bishop loves to say, Bishop Kitoto, is that uh, there is no success without a successor. Hmm. No success without a successor. And, and he you know, drilled it into my head that from the first day you step into the office, you start raising someone that if something happened tomorrow and they're not there, or if God called you elsewhere, that person will be able to step into that, into that role. Wow. So when we have leaders, uh, our leaders across our church, we, are, we always say to them, the first thing you do on your first day on the job is you begin to identify someone that can be able to step into that role. Wow, you know we call them leaders in training in yeah. the different uh, in the different ministries, but I believe that every leader that God has given a mantle of leadership has a responsibility to raise the next generation of leaders. Hmm. They may not necessarily be able to choose the person they will allow God to do that, but they have a responsibility to invest in the next generation of leaders and then allow God to direct over who is it that will take that uh, that position. Yeah. And I think that when I am aware that I'm here for a season, it helps me. It helps me not to take myself so seriously. You know, <laughs> like who've come before me that have contributed to where these uh, churches, where this organization is, and there will also be others who will come after me. Yeah. And so my place is to do my best, you know, in this uh, in this season. And then when the time comes, to be able to be willing to hand over to to hand over the baton to those who come after after me. And I think that it's something that we have to do very intentionally because mm. most leaders from my observation we wait until it's too late in the day mm. for us to start having a conversation about succession and who is it that you know we need to do the handover to yet it's a conversation that should be a regular part of what we are doing on a regular on a, on a regular basis wow that's valuable 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 one of the, the last questions I just would like to ask you about is uh, initiating and following through um 
for for leaders, the initiation and having great ideas, I think is um, having ideas. I think is one thing. Then initiating is uh, to me would be another step, and then following through to see that out. Why is why is that so vital for young leaders, and why is that vital for all leaders? I, I think you've you've said it. Leaders, one of the gifts of leaders is they generate ideas. They have a thousand and one ideas. You know? <laughs> I think that's too many things. I was telling someone that this COVID season, one of the things that I hope we take out of it is to actually do less instead of focusing so much on doing more. And uh, what I find is, and what I look for, for me and young leaders, I look for the capacity to take initiative and to follow through and implement. When, when one of my team members walks into my office and they say, you know, we have a problem, most of the times they're not telling me anything new. They're telling me something I already know. So them being able to identify, they don't get points for identifying the, the problem. You know, I <laughs> mean, <laughs> telling you we have a problem. You, you get, you earn points for going ahead and saying, these are three possible things we can do. And I've looked through and I've thought through and this is what I recommend we can do. Hmm. And then walking out of the door and being able to implement you know, for me, I think I'm big on doers. Yeah. We can talk all day, but let's get something done. Yeah. And that, that's something that I, I, I look for in people that are around me. I look for in younger leaders that I, that I, that I work with. And it's something that I, I challenge young leaders because we can talk, you know, we can put together concept notes and, and wonderful, amazing ideas. But unless we get some work done, you know, we are no better than we were yeah. at, at the very beginning. That's a good word. Good word. Pastor Gibson, one, one last question for you. What, what are some joys and challenges of leading a, a thriving urban church um, in a, a big, uh, Nairobi being a big city and one of the most powerful countries in Africa? What are, what are some of the challenges and joys of, 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 yeah, of leading a church in an urban environment in Kenya today? I think let me start with the joys. The joy of uh, sitting where I am is the opportunity to make a difference in the lives of men and women, to make a difference in the lives of families, the opportunity that we have to disciple, to win souls, you know, to impact societies. That I had a place where there is such an opportunity for us to, be able to make a difference in the lives of people, you know, individuals, children, all through. And I think that's what excites me that you can actually, God can use us to change the trajectory of someone's life, you know, and just be able to impact their life for, for eternity. We have an amazing team and I, I get excited. I woke up this morning, I dropped my kids to school and when I was driving to the office, I remember thinking to myself that I wake up in the morning and, and I'm excited to get to do what I do. I work with an amazing team of guys. They are, you know, we're not just workmates. We are family. And I get to share life with them. And it's such a blessing just to be able to, you know, have a front row seat in what God is doing in their lives. Some of them have known them when they were, you know, much younger teenagers, you know, much younger. And now they've grown up, you know, they serve with us on our pastoral team. They have their own families. And it's such amazing just to see how God grows people. And I think that's one of my joys as a pastor, that I get to see people, you know, from where they are and to track God at work in their lives and to be able to celebrate, you know, God's doing. 
even uh, even as they go through the different seasons uh, seasons of life. So I think that's my joy. I get to serve in a church that I love. This church has blessed me, and it's just such a blessing that I can give back and, and be a blessing and get to serve here. I have an amazing family, my wife and the kids, and we love this church. We 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 have grown through this church. So that's something that we are excited about. The challenges tie a bit to the joys because the needs are overwhelming, you know? And uh, I remember one time listening to a leadership talk and uh, I think uh, this, I'm trying to remember who it was, but they said something. They said, do for one what you wish you could do for all. Do for one what you wish you could do for all. And I think that's the principle that we practice, that we may not be able to support everyone that wants to go to Bible school, but the ones that come to us, we're going to do our best to support them and get them school, to get them to school. We might not be able to support every family that is in need, but those that come as God enables us, we are able to support. We might not be able to do it for everyone, but for those that come our way, we are able to make a difference. So I think the challenges are, can be overwhelming. The, the needs can be overwhelming. Sometimes I think the pastor's heart is that you celebrate with people when they're celebrating and you hurt with them when they're hurting. So when people have gone through a season of loss, it's difficult also for us, especially through this season. We have lost dear ones, you know, dear friends, people that we loved dearly. And that's been a hard space for us to navigate in. When families are going through difficult seasons, you know, maybe even of, uh, of separation, that's, that's difficult for us because you love this family, you love these children, you want to see this family thrive. And sometimes it's difficult to work with a family that's going through that kind of, that kind of pain. So I think the challenges come really from the needs and the, and the demands and even the time demand because everybody wants to see the pastor, you know, at, at their home, at their function. They have something they're doing, they want the pastor to come. But you can only be in one place, you know, at a, at, at a time. And when you also have a young family that needs you, then it becomes something that you have to balance because I, I want to also be there for my wife and for my and, and for my kids. And I think for somebody who loves to say yes, I think I'm in a season where I have to say no more. And, and that's tough, you know? Yeah. That's, uh, that's tough also. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, Pastor Gibson, um, I appreciate you uh, more than you know. Would you pray for us today? Would you pray that in whatever direction um, you would like, but just pray for those that are listening in, um, that we'll take what the wisdom and insight that you've shared and um, we'll apply it to our lives. Thank you so much, Aaron. Thank you for having me. It's very humbling to be with you on this podcast. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father and our God, we just want to pause in your presence. And what a joy and a blessing it is to serve you. And, and, and such a humbling place to be, even as we get to give of ourselves every single day. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters. I pray, oh God, your hand upon each one of them. I pray for peace. Peace in the storm. I pray for a calmness, a calmness in this season, a peace that comes from you. I pray for those that are weary, those that are so overwhelmed, that are almost at their very end, some that even feel like giving up. I want to pray that, oh God, even in this moment, that you would breathe new life into them. You would breathe new life into their leadership. You would breathe new life into their marriage. You would breathe new life into their passion. You would breathe new life, oh God, into your calling upon their lives. I pray that you'd open their eyes to see the possibilities that lie ahead. You'd open their ears to hear your word for them in this season, that they are not alone, but that you are with them, 
that you have loved them with an everlasting love, that you are for them, that you have gone ahead of them. Lord Jehovah God, you have not brought them this far to abandon them. And so I just want to speak for a new strength. I pray, oh God, for a new word for this season. I pray, Lord Jehovah God, where we have walked in our own strength, in the strength of our own might, that you would forgive us, that you'd give us vision that's as big as you are. You'd give us dreams for our lives that are as big as you are. And that you would do and accomplish that which only you can do. And that at the end of it all, all that we do is for the glory and honor of your name. That you would look at us and smile upon us, O oh God. And affirm us as your sons and daughters. I speak your blessing upon each one of them. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Amen.